Tonight, if I had to just reduce everything down and give it a title, it would be pains, pressures, and problems with a question mark on the end of it. So really, it's a question. Pains, pressures, problems. I'll go ahead and answer in the affirmative for all three. Pains, pressures, and problems. The truth is everybody in this building, everybody under the sound of my voice, whether you're here or worshiping online, everybody here, no matter how old you are, there is something inside of all of us that wants to live happy lives. I hope all of us here tonight, at the end of the day, you really truly desire to live a happy life. It's actually part of being a Christian. You're called to find happiness and joy in who Christ is. And we all want to have peace. We all want calm in our existences. And all of us, every one of us here, should long for pain-free, pressure-free, problem-free life. If that's not you, and you're totally okay with pain, pressure, and problems, and you're looking for some to take on, I have a roster of them. I'll be happy to deliver them where you just tell me where to drop them off. I won't charge you a delivery fee. I'll even bring peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'll bring them. But the truth is all of us wish we could live life without pain, without pressure, and without problems. Now let's say this on the onset of this thought and where we're going. Understand that for the Christian, all things work together for good to them that believe. For us, all of us, we live within God's perfect plan and his perfect provision, his perfect will for our lives. And it does not mean in any way, shape, form, or fashion that just because we follow God and live in his will, that life will be easy. We preach against that type of heresy from this pulpit. That is not what being a Christian is. I got saved, so everything's going to be set and settled and happy and it'll be all roses. No, but it does mean that you live in the fullness of who God is, the indwellment of the Holy Ghost, and all of us want to live in that spiritual bliss of who he is, but we also like those seasons of life where it's a little bit easier and there's no pain and there's no pressure and there's no problems. The problem is those times are hard to find on the timeline. It's hard to find it. One guy said it this, I just wish I could have known that I was in the good days when I was in the good days. I would have appreciated it more. And the truth is, let me just run this rabbit for just a second. There's been a lot of examples here lately in this church. A couple of them have been in the choir, Brother Arthur, of people who sang on Sunday And then the next Sunday, we hung their robe on their chair and put a flower in their seat because they're home in heaven. We've had those examples. You're not promised that you and your wife, you and your husband, you and your children have tomorrow together in the same way that you had today. You're not promised that. No one in this room is. That's not to scare us or to alarm us, but it is to make very evident and very real to us. If you are uh, married and you have a husband, you have a wife, you have children, God has blessed you, then realize that in some way, every day is living in the good days. Cherish it. Be happy about it. Find something to, to cherish even when it's tough. Because there could be a day that it's different and it really will be difficult to find something to cherish, something to look to and to be excited about in life. That's why we must learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord and that the Lord would be enough for who we are as people. 
And, and moms and dads, if you're a mom and dad in here, would you raise your hand? All the moms and dads, moms and pas, would you raise your hand? Here's the truth that I know about you. You want the best for your children. You do. Truly, any parent with any heart for their child wants the best for their children. They want them to grow up in God-fearing, respectable homes. And God-fearing, uh, respectable people is what they hope and pray that they will become. They don't want their children to be bullied. My Lord in heaven, if you want to see a mama bear, go to a t-ball field. Four and five-year-olds. And watch little Timmy get picked on by big Bruce. They're four and five years old. But that 36-year-old woman is ready to absolutely go to prison over that four and five-year-old Brucey picking on her Timmy. Nobody wants their children to feel pain, to feel pressure, and to feel problems. All of us want to create an atmosphere for our children and our homes that uh, really we want to take away any kind of unnecessary pressure and burden. That's a desire. We don't want our kids bullied. We don't want them brainwashed and, and we don't want them burdened. We want our kids to live lives that they can be happy with. We want our children to be happy. We want them to love life and to love us and to love coming to church and love the things that you love. My dad tried to convince me for years to love the Dallas Cowboys. Thank God I was saved at a young age and I could not be swayed by those types of things. But parents, you want the best for your children. And grandparents, I think maybe you are even more so in this category grandparents, a lot of Christian grandparents, good godly Christian grandparents are getting to a place when they look at the world and they see what's happening around their grandchildren. It's beginning to change for those grandparents. And for the first time in a long time, I've had conversation after conversation with good godly grandparents. And I'm starting to hear something in some people that I never thought I would hear come out of their mouth. And what it sounds like is I have a fear or I have some anxiety, I have some pressure that I have not felt in a long time about my death. I, I, I don't want to die. And these are good godly saints that love the Lord and they trust God and they've been serving God. Some have been saved for 35 and 45 years and they've been married for 45 and 55 years. And all of a sudden there's some good godly gray-headed saints of God that are grandparents and they're talking about a fear of death. But if you listen to what they're saying, it is not the fear of death that they're actually afraid of. It's not the process of death that they're afraid of. They have eternal security. They know that they're going to heaven. They know that they have eternal life through Christ Jesus. What they're worried about, their anxiety is, I don't want to leave my grandchildren and my children to face this crazy mud ball without me. I don't want my grandbabies to go one day without having access to me. Because I've lived it and I've got some wisdom and I can help them. And I don't want to die because I want to be there for them. Because a lot of good godly saints, gray-haired people, they see the world around us and they're pointing to the truth of God's word and they're saying, hey, you better start paying attention. Things have changed and things are changing anymore. They will change. They are going to continue to change. And the truth is our world has changed. The little bubble's been bursted. There was a cataclysmic shift 
in, in prophecy and in all that, that, that entails perilous times of the last days. I feel it. I believe it with all of my heart. And it was around March the 10th, 2020. COVID changed our globe forever. It will never, ever be the same. Politics will never be the same. Uh, people's health will never be the same. Uh, immunization chatter and talk about immunizations. Listen, the fact that I'm saying COVID-19 and immunizations right now, we're live on the internet. This video on YouTube and on Facebook is going to get flagged. Mark my words, I'm saying the word immunization and COVID-19. This video tonight, this live stream broadcast of this sermon will be flagged because I mentioned those words. Our world has changed. Everything has changed. And what it is, and it's an alarm bell for Christians to understand that what you're feeling, the pressure and the pain of the day, all that means at the end of the day is that you are living in exactly what the Bible said would happen. It's just more irrefutable proof that you are living in the perilous times of last Days And you say, well, uh, there's some things that still have to happen. And the study that you did recently talking about Gog and Magog, it seems that we're years away from some of these things that have to happen coming to fruition. Understand this. If, if, if God is going to tarry, okay, if he's going to wait to come back a hundred years, I'll be in heaven by then, Lord willing. But a hundred years from now, if that's when God decides to send Jesus Christ for second advent to come get his bride. If we've got a hundred years left, then we have just what Jesus told us life would be. We have a vapor left. There's just a drop in the bucket. If we have 500 years left, there's just a vapor left as it pertains to God's view of time. God has never been created. God has never not existed. And for God to look at 500 years, or dare I say, a thousand years, for God, it is just a blink of the eye until his son comes. We are on the brink of a total, complete, absolute, dystopian, dark collapse of human morality. And our world is changing. Yet we possess the truth. We possess the knowledge. We have the word of God, inerrant, infallible, holy, and inspired. And all of us want to live happy lives. And none of us want to have pain, and none of us want to have pressure, and none of us want to have problems. But with all the love in my heart, understand this. Until Jesus comes, or until death separates you from this earth, there will be for even believers pains, Pressures and problems. When Adam and Eve fell, when they opened that massive explosion, when they opened up that massive wave of energy that was released in the garden, for the wages of sin is death, goes all the way back to them, their fall. And now today we are feeling the effects of what they did in the garden. Evil comes with a price. Sin comes with a price. 
And the human existence is scarred. It bears the mark of exactly that. That's why it is such a miracle. That is why it's such a wonderful thing. When someone who is spiritually dead becomes alive in Jesus Christ. One of the greatest miracles ever to happen was when you got saved. Because God the Holy Ghost came by and saw you as a dead spiritual corpse with no hope unless he did what he did. And the miracle of new life in a dead corpse that happened for every person in this room that's on their way to heaven. It's one of the greatest things that has ever happened. One of the greatest things that has ever happened that God would bring somebody from death to life. Everything that we are, everything that we have, just the light of the knowledge of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is enough to make you shout and run laps all over this church until you can do a marathon. Praise God. If you're really saved, somebody in this building say, praise God, I don't have to go to hell. Praise God. That was a miracle. It was a miracle. You didn't believe God. You didn't believe the Bible. You didn't have the faith to understand. God, the Holy Ghost had to come by your way and radically save you. And now you have the truth. And there's still that desire. I want to live in peace. I don't want to be at war. I don't want no pain. I don't want no pressures. And I don't want no problems. But the problem is we are flesh. Sin is sin. But praise God, there is a solution that's coming. There is a solution that's coming. I have absolutely blown my notes all to pieces. We'll just go straight into what the Lord has for us tonight. Everybody say amen. Amen. The truth is we are all humans and we all have problems. Everybody say that with me now. We are all humans and we all have problems. Say it again. We're all humans and we all have problems. If you're here tonight and you're not human... I'm running. Number two, if you're human and you don't have a problem, then you may not understand what life is all about. I get worried. I get a little anxious. Now, how crazy does this sound, Deacon David? How crazy does this sound that when life feels like things are calming down a little bit, we can take a deep breath. I get a little nervous that I'm a little too comfortable because it feels like I'm missing something. The role and the responsibilities that God gives us comes with pain and it comes with pressures and it comes with problems. And understand that not all of them are bad. Thank God you can feel pain. Because the first time you stuck your hand on the hot stove eye and that that just glitched moment where your hand stayed there and you had like this weird face and you're watching your hand sizzle on the hot eye. You remember those moments of just like learning, hey, that's hot. Thank God you can feel pain. Thank God you can feel pressure. Sometimes the pressure that we feel is God breathing on us and teaching us something and telling us that we need to change. And sometimes God uses the biggest problems in our life, the biggest issues in our life to get the most glory out of us. Pains, pressures, and problems. All of us have them. I don't know a single person that's clear and free of pains, pressures, and problems. The truth is there are some people in this room and just here recently, the the straw that broke the camel's back, 
the last little bit of pressure that you felt like you could handle. Here, here recently, here just lately, it, it's fallen. And what was just supposed to be a little piece of straw, it actually feels like a pickup truck. It's heavy, it's hard, it's painful, and it hurts. For some of you, it's a child. And you're learning, you're processing what it feels like to have a child who is in sin. A child who is picking a lifestyle you never dreamed they would live. You never imagined that when you brought that precious child home from the hospital and all the baby clothes and the changing of the diapers and learning how to warm up formula and all the things that that entails, the, the, the excitement of having a new baby. You never thought that child would do what they're doing right now. And your heart is broken. And you've got pains and you've got pressures and it's creating even problems in other relationships in your family and with your friends and there's a part of you that's embarrassed and there's a part of you that's broken and there's a part of you that feels like a failure as a parent and you feel like you can't take one more thing because of that decision that that child's made. There are some of you in this room and your marriage is in crisis. You're holding on by a thread and nobody knows it. And you're in the greatest pain and pressure and problem that your marriage has ever experienced. Some of you have a health problem. And you're in a true physical pain. And it's a pain that has changed your life completely. You have neuropathy in your feet. You have arthritis in your joints and in your hips and it hurts to sit and nobody has any idea what it means when the preacher says everybody stand or brother Arthur says everybody stand. Nobody has any idea how bad it hurts for me just to, to stand up and it's a pain and it's a pressure and it's creating a problem. And maybe nobody even knows what you're going through. And some of you have been praying for a long time for a lost friend, a lost family member, a lost spouse, a lost child. And every day it feels like a little more hopelessness, a little more despair comes. It seems like there's no movement. God, we have fasted. And it seems like they believe less. God, we have prayed and we have given up meals and we've spent time dedicated for, to, to praying for this person. And it seems like it's getting worse. And it's causing pain, pressure, and problems. The truth can be a little bit unsettling if you're not careful. Because this is life. This is why heaven, what Pastor Allen just talked about a moment ago, that precious saint of God that stepped out of this world into the next. That's why heaven and your, uh, your participation being secured in the next life in heaven is so important. Because this life is a vapor and it is full of pain, it is full of pressure, and it's full of problems. 1 Peter 5.10, before we go into Psalm 37 to close. 1 Peter 5.10, it says this, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. You can stop there and shout. Praise God. 
But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. That's my access for his eternal glory through his son. After that, ye have suffered a while. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And it might be a little unsettling to process everything that you're going through. And it might be even a little unsettling to process the fact that there will be pain, pressure, and problem until Jesus come or heaven is your home. But he promised that he would establish, strengthen, and settle you. It does not say that he would completely solve the problem. You can be established, you can be strengthened, you can be settled and still hurt. You can be firmly footed, established, strengthened and strong in your faith, full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, God's Word hid in your heart. You can be strengthened by everything that he will offer you if you'll just ask him. All of those things can happen. He'll strengthen you. He'll establish you. But at the end of the day, it can still hurt. You have to deal with people. You have to deal with family. You have to go to the doctor. You have to come to church. And it's full of pain and pressure and problems. We can be encouraged for a couple of reasons. Number one is that this process of pain and pressure and problems will come to an end. It will come to an end. It's, it's not here to stay. This is not the permanent a fixture of your life, your status, and even of your eternal life. The pain and the pressure and the problems will come to an end. <laughs> Does anybody in this church believe that? I said, your pain and your pressure and your problems will come to an end. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. The pain, the pressures, and the problems will come to an end. This isn't here to stay. I can do anything for a few minutes. This life is a vapor. And when you get home to heaven, that's exactly what this life will be. Just a few minutes. He said, if you'll just tarry for a little while in your, in your pain and your pressures and your problems, it will come to an end. Praise God. Go to Psalm 37, go to verse number 9. I'm going to jump ahead because I can. I'm going to start plumb in the middle of this because this is what gives way to victory. This is where the pain and the pressures and the problems come to an end. If we understand where the pains and the pressures and the problems started, and if we put it all around Satan's neck, that old slew foot, yellow belly, belly dweller from hell, if we put it all around his neck, all the pains, all the pressures, and all the problems, then at some point that's got to end. But if that's got to end, that means that he's got to end. Let me give you a little language from one of our dear brethren in Christ, in the Lord, who understood what it was to live in pain, pressure, and problem, but could see far ahead and understand that one day, even thousands of years for him, that it would come to an end. Go to verse number nine. For, evil do, for evildoers shall be cut off, uh, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth for yet a little while. 
There it is again. For yet a little while. For yet a little while. And the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. It means you'll go to look for him, you'll search near, you'll search far, you'll search high, you'll search low for the evildoer, and you will not be able to produce his location. Why is that? Why is that? The meek shall inherit the earth. They shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. And the Lord shall laugh at him. Are you paying attention to the verses? And the Lord shall laugh at him. For he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor in the knee. And to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bow shall be broken all a little a little that a righteous man hath all that you have is better than the riches of many wicked for the arms of the wicked shall be broken but the lord upholdeth the righteous praise god pain pressure problems gone forever you say you're a little too excited and a little too loud for my taste when you get your back up against the wall and you can't breathe and you can't think and you can't pray and you can't read and you know that the devil's doing all that he can to try to steal and kill and destroy sometimes child of God you've got to lean back and remember that pain and pressure and problems are coming to an end Praise his holy name. It's all going to be over. And he'll go to hell. He'll go to hell. He'll go straight to where he came from. For all of eternity, Brother Keith. It'll all be over. You see the cry from David's heart. This is from David. The cry from his heart is very similar to the cry of some dear godly people I know. Some old gray-headed saints that I love and respect. It's a very similar cry. And you might be right smack dab in the, in the biggest attack of your life. You might be depressed, you're, you're down, you're dejected, and you might have even been rejected by somebody. You feel like the whole world... It's coming against you. And the devil himself is dialing up the plays every day. You'll get out of the bed and you feel like you get tackled by a linebacker. And you're overwhelmed. Your heart's broken. And you're grieved. And you're confused. And you're hurting. And I'm just here to remind you that the pain and the pressure and the problems will come to an end one day. The darkness will be expelled. The wickedness will be judged. You say, that's wonderful, pastor. Praise God, I can shout with you. Devil's going to get what's coming. I get it. The second coming, I'm having a hard time with it. You keep preaching, pastor. But I'll just stay here in reality. I'll just stay here where the rubber meets the road in what I live in every day. If you're not careful, you will separate yourself from the supernatural to a point that you can't believe that it applies to you. Do you hear what I said? 
you will separate yourself from the supernatural in a way that you'll feel that it does not apply to you or that that portion of your faith is just kind of left untapped. Grace, mercy, salvation, eternal security, praise God. But I have a hard time with the sci-fi portion of my faith, as one person told me recently. The sci-fi portion of my faith. If you do not have faith that Jesus Christ is coming for his bride, then you have no faith at all. You don't get to pick and choose. That is the faith. That is the hope that he's coming for his bride. So then what do I do, pastor, until he comes? I told you I started in the middle. We licked the cream out of the Oreo first. Now let's go get the cookie. I'm trying to be good and I haven't had an Oreo in a long time and now I got a hankering. <laughs> Double stuffed. And who's ever heard of a blonde Oreo? Get out of here with that. All right, let's get back onto what matters. Go to the first verse of Psalm 37. So what do you do in the meantime? It's in the first part of this cry from David's heart. He gives it to you. You just got to read it. It says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Don't be jealous of them. For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. The world's going to be the world. They're going to do what they want to do and they're going to do it anyway. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Don't worry about him. Rest in the Lord. Verse 7 says. Verse 8 says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. In other words, don't get so mad that you sin. The world is full of unrighteousness. The world is full of immorality. The world is full of iniquity. If you want to get mad, if you love America and you want to get mad, if those two things are, happen to be who you are, go to Washington, D.C. And you can get real mad real fast and stay mad on both sides of the aisle. I said on both sides. But, but, but he said, don't fret yourself to the point that you lose a relationship and a, a right walk with me over the evildoers. They're getting ready to be mowed down. It, the Bible says they're literally going to be cut down. So imagine big tall grass and a lawnmower. What are you going to worry about? They're going to get cut down. So, so why fret? Why worry? So let's give you these few things and we'll go get our babies. Number one, fret not. Verse 1, verse number 2, fret not. I really want to take that apart. The verb here is to be constantly or visibly worried or constantly or visibly anxious, a state of anxiety or a state of worry. Don't fret, fret not. You can take that word fret and you can just absolutely go wild with it. It's so big. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. 
Don't feel uneasy. Don't be distressed. Don't be upset. Don't upset yourself. Don't feel unhappy. Don't agonize. Don't anguish. Don't sorrow. Don't sigh. Don't pine. Well, that's one we need to bring back. Don't pine. Don't brood. Don't moat. Don't make a fuss. Don't complain. Don't grumble. This is my favorite. Don't whine. My grandmama used to say, y'all need to stop being a bunch of whiny heinies. Don't whine. Fret not. What are you whining about? What are you complaining about? What are you griping about? Well, the pains and the, and the pressures and the problems, I understand. But fret not. Fret not. Don't do it because of evildoers. They will soon be cut down. And then he gives you number two. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Don't trust around him. Don't kind of trust him. Trust in who he is. His full capacity, not yours. Then he says, do good. Stay put. Dwell in the land. Papa used to say, bloom where you're planted. He'll feed you. So trust him. That's how you can break that verse down. Trust him. And here's how we can ask if he is worthy of our trust. And I'm polling the audience and I like a, an audience that responds. Has God ever failed you one time? No. Praise God, then trust him. Do good. Stay put. Quit looking for the next new leaf to turn over. Why are there so many people in Western North Carolina that flop from church to church looking for the new fad and the new thing and the new free toaster because they don't trust God enough to stay put? Dwell where God puts you. Be faithful in the job that God's given you. Quit looking for the next 100K and stay put. Dwell in the land and trust God. The Bible says he will feed you and take care of you. Number three, go to the next verse. Number four, in verse four, number three, delight thyself also in the Lord. Here's the best way to put this. Make what he wants, what you want, and then you'll have what you want. Make what he wants, what you want, and then you'll have what you want because he will always give you what he wants you to have. Better yet, he will give you exactly what you need. Delight yourself in what he gives you. Delight yourself in who he is and the fact that you have access to him. Verse number five says, commit thy ways unto the Lord. Don't commit to you. Pain, pressure, and problems are personal, but you can't commit to yourself. This is me now. One of my favorite things I like to say, I got this. I'll figure it out. It's okay. I'll, I'll handle it. Just let me handle it. I got this. When really I should say, I don't understand. I don't get it. But we're going to pray. We're going to commit ourselves to trusting Him, delighting in Him, and allowing Him to do what He wants to do. Commit yourself. People who are looking for confidence and authority with God will never have confidence and authority with God to handle pain, pressure, and problem until they're consistent with God. Never. The only way you can have understanding, the only way you can have peace, the only way you can have what you need to be able to make it in this life is consistency with God. Spiritual yo-yo effect will, will just absolutely devastate you. Commit yourself to God.
Number five, you'll find in verse number seven, and we'll close. It says, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Remember, it says in Him, not around Him. Don't get near Him. Don't keep a healthy distance to Him. Rest in Him. The only way you can be in Him is to know Him in His Word. And this is where I want to close, and this is what God's been dealing with my heart about, and I want to try my best tomorrow to lean into our staff as we, this week we've had spiritual emphasis as a staff and had a wonderful time in prayer yesterday and Pastor Tim Brady was here and investing in us. And here, Here's my heart. The only way you're going to find rest in the Lord, and I know we've got to go at 745. I wish we could go to 1045. The only, I mean that. I had too much coffee. The only way you'll ever find rest in the Lord is by cultivating a passion for His Word. Deacons, do you agree with the statement I just made? Yeah. Cultivating, and I ask the deacons because they're called by God to be men full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. How do they get full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost? His Word. They don't do it on their own. Rest in Him. Where is He? How is he to be ascertained? What is our modus operandi of understanding resting in God? It's through his word. And there are a lot of people who calculate their faith and their relationship with God based on things that do not matter, things that are, that are not even spiritually tangible. Well, the preacher likes me. The, the preacher will answer my text message when I text him. Uh, church office and the staff, they seem to like me pretty good. I've gotten an end with them. Uh, that, that will quantify the satisfaction that I have for my walk with the Lord. Now listen, before you go and get angry, I'm not talking about we can't be friends. That's not even biblical. We are to be close. We are to carry each other's burdens. I'm talking about the essence of what you hold near and dear and the essence of where you find rest in the Lord. It cannot be the man behind your pulpit. It can. Well, Ralph Sexton's my pastor emeritus. Good. Love him. Pray for him. Support him. But that ain't going to bring you peace. That's not going to bring you rest. Are, are you expecting that a 33-year-old pastor is to be the source of where you find rest and peace and hope and inspiration and a knowledge of God growing in the grace and the knowledge of God for yourself? Don't put that pressure on me. You must cultivate a love, a passion, a desire to know God for yourself through his word. And it's the only way you'll ever really know who he is. Rest in the Lord, but do it by cultivating a passion for his word. Holy Father, in Jesus' name, we all have pains, we all have pressures, we all have problems. We're people. And I'm thankful that your grace and your mercy is sufficient. Your word is ever true. And that's for anyone. It's for whosoever. Lord, I'm thankful that tonight you've given us some encouragement for your word. God, directly from your word, you've encouraged your people. And Lord, now we rest in you. We delight ourselves in you. 
We look for our strength and our hope in you. We want understanding and wisdom liberally. You, you said in your word that if we'd ask, you'd give it. And Lord, we ask for it. Help us to know you more, more and more about Jesus. More about him, less of me. Touch our church, touch our people. Bless the service on Sunday. Be with us at 8, at 10, at 9.30. Bless the Sunday school teachers as they prepare and study their lessons. Protect our children. Push back darkness, push back evil, push back wickedness. Open up heaven and breathe on your people. We are hungry, we are desperate, and we're waiting for your soon coming return. It's in Christ's name the church pray. Amen.